This evening we are looking at the third beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There's an old adage, I'm sure that you've heard it, that nice guys finish last. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, you have to look out for number one. I have that there is no beatitude that runs as contrary to secular thinking as the beatitude the meek shall inherit the earth. Uh, we have talked about how the Beatitudes are countercultural, and I think that this is at the forefront of the countercultural aspect of the Beatitudes. Certainly, our culture does not, in any sense of the word, uh, elevate the idea that meekness is a quality that we should strive for. Definition of the meek. The meek are those who patiently suffer without resistance. I like the word meek. The New American Standard uses the word gentle, but for the most part I'm going to be using the word meek tonight. It is those who patiently suffer without resistance. The meek are those who willingly submit to endure what otherwise they might escape. These are people that take it on the chin. They are people that don't fight back who do not stand up for themselves, who do not promote themselves, or in any sense try to get even with those that would seek to take advantage of them. Now we'll unpack that a little bit more as we work through this, but as I say, those are not qualities that uh, are looked up to in our society. Our society uh, likes the person that argues with the ref. They like the person who is defiant. They like the person who is going to go bonkers, you know, if the, if the call is wrong. Uh, I know I'm dating myself, but uh, how many remember the, the uh, tennis player McEnroe? Remember what would happen if he thought a ball was out? Uh, and, excuse me, when he thought a ball was in and it was called out? The guy went ballistics. Uh, and uh, we see coaches like that, and, and that is praise. Those are people with fire. Those are people that uh, have a, uh, a spirit of determination, uh, can't hold them back. Uh, our society says that's the way it ought to be. Jesus is the supreme example of meekness. Matthew 21.5, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The word gentle here is the same one that's in our text. Jesus is referred to as meek. The meekness of Jesus is personified in the crucifixion and the events leading up to it. Jesus' meekness is personified in his riding on the back of a borrowed donkey. He rides to his ultimate death on the back of a donkey, not a mighty stallion. I referred to this in Sunday school this morning as well. When Jesus returns in judgment, he'll be riding a white stallion. Revelation 19, 11 through 15. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and who sat upon it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems. And he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. 
and from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that he may smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God Almighty. But you see, in his first coming, he personified gentleness, meekness. None of these things were true of him in his first coming. He didn't come with an army. He didn't come exacting justice. He didn't come in getting even in any of those, those manner or fashion. Jesus' meekness is seen in his turning the other cheek. Jesus taught his followers that they should turn the other cheek, that is, return good to those who would do evil. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. So if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn and say, well, hit me on this side. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Now, where do you ever get that advice? Even in Christian circles. Even in Christian circles. If someone is going to sue you, let them go ahead and sue you. Let them take advantage of you. I just don't know many people that, that practice that kind of, of charity, that, that practice that kind of, of kindness. Whoever will force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give him who asks of you and do not turn away him who wants to borrow from you. And we can look at that and say it's hyperbole, but Jesus did in fact turn the other cheek. Matthew twenty six twenty seven. they spat in his face, beat him with their fists, and others slapped him. Before Jesus went to the cross, he was treated cruelly and unlawfully. That's important to realize. Cruelly and unlawfully. Jesus' rights were violated. But he never sought to press charges. He never sought to defend himself. He, whether that be physically, okay, and Jesus could have easily, easily smitten his opponents. But he didn't. He didn't. You remember in the garden, when they came to arrest him, he said, I am, and they fell backwards. That was the only display of power. And then he didn't hurt anyone. Uh, but here he's slapped around, and he doesn't physically defend himself, nor does he seek to defend himself in a court of law. He brings no charges against those that would uh, do these things against him. Jesus prayed for the well-being of his persecutors. Luke twenty-three thirty-four. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As Jesus hung upon the cross, and he looked at the malefactors and those that were mocking him, those that were saying, if you are the son of, of God, come down from there, those that were gleeful at his approaching death, as he is dying, the words on his lips are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, when he's praying that, he's not talking about their eternal salvation. He's talking about their preservation. Uh, Lord, let them live. Okay, they, they deserve to die. They deserve to die. Uh, I've said it before, but one of the, the marvels to me is found in 1 John, where it says that we have handled his body, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only have we handled his body, but people spat on him and slapped him. 
All you have to do is remember what happened to the Ark of the Covenant uh, when uh, Uzziah reached forth his hand. Remember the story? They're moving the Ark of the Covenant on a, a cart, and it jiggles, and it's about to fall off. And Uzziah just reaches up and touches the Ark of the Covenant, and he falls down dead. Because no one was to ever talk, touch the Ark of the Covenant. It was to be carried on shoulders, uh, on poles. And he, thinking he was doing a good deed, not wanting to see this Ark fall, put forth his hand, touched the Ark, and immediately falls dead. That's what God's attitude is in touching his Ark. Jesus allowed his physical body to be spat upon, beaten. And we know in Isaiah 53 and, uh, 52 and 53 that the very hairs of his beard were plucked out. That's meekness. To sit there and take all of that abuse. Think about taking abuse. We are to follow Jesus' example. Matthew 5.44 But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those that persecute you. Those that, that want to see harm come to you. Pray for them. Seek God's blessing to rest upon them. Say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the way of the Christian life. B, Jesus reassured his followers that they could safely commit to following him because he was meek. Jesus called people to follow him. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus called people to follow him because he was meek. I am gentle and humble in spirit. Same word that is in the Beatitudes. Third, Jesus reassured his followers that because he was meek, they could safely commit themselves to him. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. There is historical background for this, and if you have your Bibles... I invite you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 12 if you don't have your Bibles because I normally uh, just have handouts. Uh, you can listen. But in 1 Kings chapter 12, there's an incident with Rehoboam. Uh, just after the kingship of Solomon, Rehoboam arises. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, reading in verse 1, it says this. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Now when Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, heard of it, he was living in Egypt. For he was in Egypt when he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. Then they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. Solomon had extracted a tremendous amount of resources from his people. Remember in Solomon's days, uh, silver meant nothing. It was such an abundance that he had gold. Where did he get all that from? Some was given by gifts by foreign uh, dignitaries, but a lot of it came from the taxation of his own people. And they were taxed at an incredibly high rate. He took many of the best of the land to become servants over his properties, over his horses, over his lands. 
And the people were fed up with it. So verse 4, your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us and we will serve you. Then he said to them, depart for three days, then return to me. So the people departed. King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, How do you counsel to me to answer this people? They spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to this people today and will serve them and grant them their petition and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. So he said to them, What counsel do you give that we may answer this people? They had spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us. The young men who grew up with him spoke unto him, saying, This you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now you make it lighter for us. But you shall speak to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Then Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam, and there's going to be insurrection. There's going to be civil war. Because he said, you think Solomon was tough. Man, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm going to be a lot harder. My yoke is going to be much more intense. Jesus said, come to me, because my yoke is easy. Because he is a suffering servant. That uh, he serves his people. Um, Those are thoughts that that, that are hard for me to get my, my head around. Really, that the very Son of God comes as a human being and then as a human being humbles himself and comes to serve a people. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heavens and earth, the one to whom all honor and glory is due, the one before whom the angels bow, comes and allows people to spit on him, beat him, and he comes pleading with people to follow him with the words that I'm gentle, I'm meek. I'm going to treat you in a gentle manner. We who know the Lord this evening, you've come to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And yet, how many times do we disobey him? How many times do we do things that dishonor him? How many times do we put material things before him? How many times do we just live our lives with very little thought about our responsibility for him or what he's done for us? Think about the gentleness in the way that he responds to us. You know, it's amazing he lets us live. It really is. It's incredible. The grace of God. And allows us to confess the same sin over and over and over again. That long-suffering spirit. So that when the disciples come to him and say to Jesus, How often should I forgive someone? Seven times? And Jesus says, 
says 70 times 7, which really translates into an infinite amount of times. Think of the almost infinite ways in which Jesus has forgiven us. He's gentle. He's meek. And I would submit to you that he he forgives us far more than we ever forgive someone else. We have experienced more forgiveness from him than we will ever extend to anyone else, no matter what it is that they have done to us. Because it's our sin that put him on the cross. He's meek. He's gentle. And he calls us to display that same meekness and same gentleness. Four. Meekness is a beautiful quality that should be highly valued. In 1 Peter 3.3 3, it says, Let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle, same word, and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Meekness is to be highly valued because it is internal, not merely external. The world values that which is external. And let not your adornment be merely external. The word for adornment here has as its root the word cosmos. It has as its root worldliness. Worldliness. That the worldly aspect of beauty is external. Whereas with God, that which is valued is eternal, internal. But let it be the hidden person of the heart. Jesus teaches us all, all the way back in the Old Testament. God declares that he looks on the uh, inner man. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. We try to attract other people by our outward external look by our hairdos, by our jewelry, by our clothing, because this is what our culture values. And our culture values good looks almost above anything else. If you are really beautiful or really handsome, you've got an incredible leg up in our culture. Uh, We don't value the inner being. Certainly, within the church, we should. We should. And we need to ask ourselves, even as young men and young women, as we are in the process of dating, as we are in the process of looking for a mate, a spouse, someone to spend the rest of our lives with, what is it that you most highly value? What quality are you most interested in? Put it blankly, how important are looks over against Christian character and values? It is wonderful 
to be married to someone who is meek. Uh, the, the Bible, Proverbs, are, is filled with, with passages such as, you know, uh, living in uh, uh, the attic with a brawling woman. You're better off living in an attic than in a house with a brawling woman. You, you just don't want that. It, life can be miserable if people are fighting all the time. Meekness is a beautiful thing. Meekness is to be highly valued, see, which is precious in the sight of God. The picture is of a woman who is trying to increase her worth by, by applying costly materials to the outside of her body. But that which is most valuable is the meek spirit that is found on the inside. The attraction of outward adornments is short-lived, but the beauty of a meek spirit has lasting value. The attraction of outward adornments is short-lived. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Beauty is fleeting. We know that. And there is a huge, huge cosmetic industry. And you realize the word cosmetic has as its root cosmos, worldliness. And there is a huge cosmetic industry. And not just in terms of, of uh, lip gloss and rouge and and all of that, and dyeing your hair, but then cosmetic surgeries, liposuction and facelifts, and incredible amounts of money are spent with people just trying to keep looking young. Trying to keep their girlish figure. Trying to look younger than what they are. Not showing their age. Because our culture so highly values youth. And how fortunate it is that so many men and women leave their partner for a younger man or a younger woman. That when they start getting older, they become dissatisfied with them. That's the real danger of marrying someone only for their looks, only for the external qualities, because that's, that's fleeting. But that inward being only gets better. It only gets stronger. As people mature spiritually, they become more and more Christ-like. And so, if you marry for that unique Christian quality... Though the outward man is perishing, the scripture says the inward man is renewed day by day. And we can actually grow to love our spouses ever more because they are worthy of ever more love. Meekness is a quality that we should strive to attain. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Same word. We are to run from arrogance and desire to obtain weakness. Notice, but flee these things, you man of God. And then down, B, we are to chase after meekness. But flee from these things, you man of God. Pursue righteousness. And the word literally means to chase. There's a wonderful picture here. If I were doing... A PowerPoint, we would have 
a picture of these things which are pride, arrogance, money, external things that are chasing after this person. Okay, So we're running away from these things. So you see it up there. There's pride, arrogance, and, and money. And we're running away from these things. And as we're running away from these things, we're chasing after meekness. That we're trying to obtain meekness by running away from this. Meekness will be rewarded by God. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, They are going to be rewarded. They are going to be kings and rulers with the Lord Jesus Christ. This, This is literal. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When he comes back to reign... The scripture teaches that we reign with him. People are looking to reign. People are looking for power. People are looking for authority. And our culture says the best way to get it is to be self-assertive, self-confident, aggressive, and you're going to get ahead. Okay? Just climb the corporate ladder and step on everybody on the way. And you are going to succeed in life. The scripture says it's going to be the meek that inherit the earth. And it's literal. We are going to, as I say, reign with Jesus Christ. We are going to be put over those that are the persecutors, those who are uh, the malefactors. So, hey, people are trying hard to obtain the riches of this world. For love of money is root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. But flee from these things, you man of God. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Gentleness is not to be achieved by self-promotion and assertiveness. Greatness is achieved through meekness. 1 Peter 3.8, to sum it up. To sum up, let us be harmonious, sympathetic, Brotherly kinded and humble in spirit, our word. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. For let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God rewards the meek. Um, You don't have to look out for yourself. I had an appointment with an elementary school guidance counselor. True story. An elementary school guidance counselor wanted to see me. Because of Sarah's lack of self-esteem. And so I sat down with this uh, elementary school guidance counselor to talk about my daughter's lack of self-esteem. And she said, Reverend Reed, I, I feel like I need to share this with you. 
And I said, okay. And she said, we had a birthday party. And there, were, there was a, a young person who brought in cupcakes because the rule in the class was if you were going to have something, you had to have it for everybody. And there was not enough cupcakes to go around. They were short one. And she said, your daughter volunteered not to take a cupcake. Problem here? She wasn't looking out for herself. That was unhealthy. That, that she wouldn't stand up for herself. That, that she wouldn't say that it's unfair. Everybody else got a cupcake. Why didn't I? She's not self-assertive. She's going to have problems in life. She's got to learn to socially adjust. I'm sitting there blown away. I'm thinking, are we really that far apart in our thinking that there is something wrong with you? If you simply allow someone else to take something that you don't have, the world does not prize meekness. But we should. But there are going to be people that will tell you that, man, there's something wrong with you. When you just take this, when you just shoulder what other people are doing, when people are threatening you and you don't threaten back, when people are taking advantage of you, why don't you stand up for yourself? Why don't you be a man? Why don't you? You're going to get very little encouragement in our society to be meek. But we should prize it so highly because it is precious. And why is it so precious? It's a great word, precious. We use the term of precious metals like gold and silver. It's because of its rarity. It's rarity. It's so hard to find. So when you can find someone who's meek, wow. Young man, young woman, if you can find someone who is meek, grab them. Grab them. Because it's the greatest quality that a person can manifest. You're going to be the happiest in your marriage if you can find meek people to be with. Let's pray.